Hey, Wonderfuls, welcome to episode 425. That's 425. I was going to break it down even further, like 402 tens and five ones of the podcast. It is Boys of Summer, and this is my marvelous guest and pal, Kevin Flynn of the Crime Writers On podcast. He is also an author and journalist and umpire. I made sure to put that in the show notes because it has been a an exciting development of 2021 for all of us who are fans of Crime Writers On. And I had a wonderful time speaking with him. I know you'll enjoy this episode. I hope everyone's summer is surging forward in a wonderful, positive, health conscious, don't be afraid to get vaccinated, we're all in this together kind of way. Enjoy the episode. feel like I should record the Zoom just to be safe. I mean, I won't ever use the video or the You know, audio, I th- uh, yeah, why not? I'll just record it. We did get an alert one time, like, you've used all your iCloud space for Ooh. Zoom recordings. Like, well, yeah. okay, that's a bunch of hour-long things I don't ever actually need. I just did that with we because we recorded all the the videos for the Sketchfest fundraiser thing. Um, right. And didn't it didn't occur to me that those were just living in the cloud <laughs> and I was to, and and Gmail uh, the you know iCloud was like you've used 100 gig of your like you have you've used all you have. Why don't you upgrade? And I looked through and was a like ser- oh, server no. farm after you. That's right. That's right. Yeah, could not erase those fast enough. Could not erase them fast enough. Um, yes, happy Cinco de Mayo. Let's get that locked in t- nice and tight. Got to get that Cinco de Mayo wishes. Um, now, I say that, but I'm from Tucson, and Cinco de Mayo was a big deal mm-hmm. because it has such strong uh, Hispanic roots and culture. Is that something that – but, but like, no one cared about St. Paddy's Day. Do you know what I mean? I mean, you wore green, but it otherwise was meaningless. No one was – to my knowledge, no one bothered getting drunk on St. Patrick's Day, but everyone got drunk on Cinco de Mayo but you lived in a different place, and I, I sort of imagine it being the Oh, the it's flip, the bizarro. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. You haven't had a fun time on St. Patrick's Day if you haven't urinated in the street. We have a huge—I'm from Holyoke, Massachusetts, which has a parade, a St. Patrick's Day parade, the Sunday after every St. Patrick's Day. Right. And it's middle of the day. And, you know, it's kids and floats and bands come from all over the country. It's the second biggest St. Patrick's Day parade in the country, I think, after Chicago and before oh, New York or vice versa. Oh, that's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, you know, doesn't get any more fun than vomiting in front of a whole family <laughs> at, at three in the afternoon. You know, so so you saw you both. I mean, listen, I don't know if you've ever vomited in front of a family as an adult, but as a young person, you witnessed some public pee and public puke yeah. from a young age. Yeah, you know, that's just part of growing up on the mean streets of suburbia. <laughs> How wait, you where's know? Holyoke in comparison with everything else in Massachusetts? I have to, I have, I have to ask this. I feel like I have yeah, so sure. many friends and guests who are from Massachusetts, yet no one is from Boston and no one is from the same small town. So I've right. like sprinkled through all of Massachusetts at this point. And the only place it, I've spent any time was Pittsfield, which I okay. understand is a 
pretty part of I mean Massachusetts is a lovely state (laughs) I don't know someone just recently was like oh Pittsfield well that's that's a nice area right so if you think of you know how the state looks you know uh Boston is on the eastern part of the state it's you know right on the the ocean so if you go all the way to the western side we're right next to the, the city of Springfield and so we're like in that back half, if you cut it in, in half. We're in, in western Massachusetts, which is, and the Pioneer Valley, which is like also quaint and colonial. Yeah. Uh, so near Pittsfield. Oh, so okay. that's us. All which right. is why, which why I don't talk like with a Boston accent. Right, right, right. Oh, I, 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 I love like faking it. Like I'm going to go to the dollar store uh-huh. and get some tonic. <laughs> and, you know, I got a pretty, I, you know, I can fake it pretty well. It's, I haven't been able to monetize that in any way, you know. I'm so sorry. We got to get you into some sort of Ben Affleck helm, <laughs> something. Mark Wahlberg. That's a whole. You're saying, there's no Boston-based anime where That's you could right. help me <laughs> until That's... right now, when we realize we desperately need it. Ugh. Cowboy Bebop set in That's New right. England. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Uh, did you is and and so is Holyoke? I mean, is that a, a is that a a place where Boston does seem like a million miles away in the same way that even like yeah. Long Island seems like far away from, from from Manhattan for certain families. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it does. I mean, sort of the only sort of emotional connection you have to Boston are all the sports teams. Yeah. Because that's where they're located. But, you know, I mean, it's two hours, which is, I think, you know, if you're in California, that's probably nothing yeah. between metropolitan areas. But, uh, yeah, I, I certainly if you're in Boston and you look west, you think that, there is the Quabbin Reservoir, uh, halfway through where you get all your water, and then anything beyond that is New York State. Uh-huh. And so we're just like, we're going to funnel our tax money to Boston, and they're going to pave the roads there and not on the western part of the the country. When I, when I first started out in radio, I was an intern at, well, a paid intern at a WHYN AM news radio. Uh-huh. And I, I remember going to, oh yeah, Ted Kennedy was coming to, I don't know, cut the ribbon on something in downtown Holyoke, right? This is right? so East Coast. It this is, is right? amazing. Of course it was Ted Kennedy. And he comes, oh, and I, I, I'll, I'll never forget how he introduced himself. You know, it was like, I said to my, <laughs> oh, no, I'm going to get into the accent now. <laughs> he said, I got up this morning and I said to my mother, she said, where are you going? I said, well, I'm going out to a community where the people who are, they're very proud workers and they're... And she said, you're going to Holyoke, Massachusetts, and I want you to tell them I'm saying hi or something like that. It was so pandering. <laughs> but but there was a bunch of guys from the Boston media there, and uh, so we we're waiting for them to show up, and someone beeped a horn. And one guy goes, oh, I didn't know they had horns in this part of the state. And the other one said, yeah, it's to get the cows out of the road. Oh, boy. I was like, F you, man. Yeah. It's like everybody has to start somewhere just because you're in – Media market number eight doesn't right. make you right. <laughs> the best. I feel like I mean, and, and listen, I'm not saying anything new here, but the Kennedy accent. Does mm-hmm. anyone else talk like that? No, it I mean, it feels I think, like they own yeah, that accent. <laughs> that's the Brahmin accent, as opposed to the, uh, you know, the the plebes that live in Southie. Okay. So it's like uh, yeah. Mid Atlantic meets the Southie accent in that it's not quite Mid Atlantic. But it's, there's something so unique about it that it feels cartoonish, right? I mean, it feels like yeah. you can't like... Oh, it's been parodied by now. It's been, because... Well, it's been parodied, but then also as a child who only understood it as a parody, <laughs> mostly, then you hear right. like a lot of... Fo- like when somebody finally plays a full speech of John F. Kennedy, you're like, oh no, that 
that they've nailed it. Like that really is. Right. He sounds extraordinarily cartoonish to a person who became acquainted through to the accent through parody. Right. Like, right. And I'm, we're far enough away from Boston and Maine uh, and and, uh, you know, all the coastal cities of New England that we don't have that accent where we sound like lobster fishermen. Right. If anything, we're closer to sort of upstate New York. And there's a little bit of that. The only like word that I say, well, I don't know, that I've been told, I'm sure I say a lot of words funky, but the only one that sort of sounds like weird and not uh, sort of a standard, uh, you know, broadcast accent is the word hot dog. It's a hot dog. So what is that? Hot dog? Yeah. I mean, a hot dog. So uh, that's, I, mean, I, that's I guess. A, I guess that sounded enough. You're like, from Albany. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah. 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 Um, well, I was, I've been, of course, I listen to your podcast religiously and, uh, and it's tough for me because I enjoy the podcast so much that on, on very few occasions have I skipped ahead to hear whether you guys recommend something or not, because mm-hmm. for the most part, I would rather, and I'm sure this is true for many of your listeners, I would rather know what's going to happen. I mean, this is a big compliment to you. I would rather, oh, I don't you. know why I sound so mean. Thank you for pointing I mean, hold that on. out. First of all, let me prepare you. This is going to be a compliment, <laughs> Kevin. But I would rather I would rather know what's going to happen and see the show from your perspective and sort of see how I feel about it, already knowing what you thought, than to see it and make up my own mind. Like, what does that say about me? Because I really enjoy- Are you enjoy... conflict-diverse? Uh, oh, that's a good question. Mm, I mean, I'm first of all, I'm sure I'm more conflict-averse than uh-huh. than at least you and Rebecca, given how long oh, I've listened Rebecca. to you. What, she's not. No. She's 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 not conflict. She's conflict averse. She is. She yeah. is. We'll watch something, a movie or anything, and she will Google it while we're sitting there because she wants to know what happens. Otherwise, she sits like with her hands oh, on her temples. Oh, that kind of conflict averse. You know? Oh no, yeah. no. That but I, I think don't. if you're conflict averse in real life, that affects sort of how you uh, consume media. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I I would say. I think I think I'm never so excited about something unless I get a sense right away. And I'm I'm pleased to say that you guys do tip your hand enough mm-hmm. that if it's something that I a was already excited about and b get a sense early, very early, like with a little pep in in Rebecca's intro or her first question to you or whatever, then I will stop it altogether and I just won't listen to the rest of the episode until I've watched the thing. But but so frequently I I sort of go well you know. I'm interested in this thing. It's it's highly likely I would have watched it anyway, but let's just see what they have to say about it, and then I'll and then I'll you know and as I'm watching it, I'll kind of already, you know, I'll have you in my pocket, and I'll be able to kind of go, oh yeah, I see what he's saying, you know, or like, well, I guess Toby thought that was unnecessary, but I sort of liked it because I, you know, I'm an I'm an emotional puppy, and I want to see this kind of da da da. So it's I think that really I mean that is a, a certain kind of success as a as a quote unquote critic, which I mean of course you're critics, but it's more than that. Mm. Um, that's a certain that's got to be a certain I mean that is a real accomplishment, right? That someone's like, eh, I don't you know what I wanted to watch it, I was excited about it, but yeah, spoil it. I still I just want to know. I want to hear your voices in my head when I'm watching a thing because I I want to have that extra layer of conversation happening in my own head while I'm watching. I think that's really cool. Yeah, we have put in our show notes, you know, the time code where you could jump to to just get the uh, the spoiler free review. And as sort of the technology moves along and 
you have ads that are digitally inserted, kind of at random, right? So one ad's a minute 30 and another one's two minutes, you know, and maybe you've got two ads and one ad, whatever. We cannot nail with any precision right. what the time code is. So when I download it, it's different than you. So we oh, kind of wow. rough yeah. estimate it. Yeah. Nobody has complained that it's off by two minutes, oh, good. right? Yeah. So I, uh, the majority of our listeners are just listening yeah. through. They're not jumping ahead. Well, I wonder, should I watch this or not? I think yeah. they listen to it, and they're okay with a little bit of spoilage. Yeah, I mean, like that's who great. the killer is. That's great. <laughs> I know. I mean, it really does. Well, in the case of John Wayne Gacy, I guess you go in kind of. You already, yeah, <laughs> you if you didn't know that, already know. Um, our spoiler-free review of a of a uh, serial killer from forty years ago. That's right. I will say you I I find I and I know that we all acknowledge your uh the the finesse with which you handle the whole ad thing especially when it did move into I can't control anymore what goes in and when and how and why and how it relates to anything but um your podcast is the, the thing that reminds me the most of and this is not a this is because we were already Another compliment? Uh well I was when I did the show called Dinner and a Movie for years we right, we right, had right, to right. do that same you uh, use the same approach of like remember the old days of radio when you would be mm-hmm. talking about something and then you the the host would also have to talk about how wonderful Malta meal is now let me tell you a little <laughs> bit about Malta meal uh we how much we of that was the, scripted the show uh all, all of that anything that yeah. was was ad copy we would write we would write our own copy around like you I think you know we would write right. our own copy around whatever the talking points had to be um and we had like cheesy you know 50s music that would play underneath it and then, you know, we would sort of segue back out into whatever thing that we were either shitting did on. Did you feel or like enjoying. that was you doing it? I mean, did you feel like your voice, I your did. Yeah, okay. I did because I felt like when when it was some when it was a product that we clearly were thought was stupid, um, <laughs> we somehow were getting away with the sort of like, you know, obsequiousness of you know and it, like I remember there's some that I remember because they were just so awful and there was one that was like ooey gooey there's something where you had to say like ooey gooey goodness or something like that and that's like you know you're never gonna say that with a straight fit you're never gonna say that with razors no. in your voice you know so you sort of and or what like oreo thought or, that would be good someone thought it was an you know? amazing idea oreos i remember was inspiring moments of connectedness yeah. Which was just like those things stick in your craw because you had to say them a bunch of times because you just couldn't say it and get right. through it. Inspiring because moments at the of fa- connectedness. At, at the factory, they think that people are sharing their Oreos with one another. That's right. They like to drink. <laughs> I go, put their I, arms I, I, around I, I, each other. No, if I get a couple of Oreos, I'm not telling anybody. I'm hiding it like in my – because they'll say – Rebecca will be like, did you get one for me? No, I didn't get one yeah. for you. yeah. These are Oreos. This is the We're kind not of the thing where we open it up. Embrace. Yeah, yeah. Because just because they scraped the filling with their teeth in the commercial doesn't mean that's how people actually use it. And also, they talk about a cookie that sticks in your teeth. I mean, you're going to have yeah. brown crumbs in between every Fig crack Newton. of tooth. No. Oh, you're right. Fig, Fig Newton. Oh, Fig yeah. Newton seeds. Forget about it. Yeah. Forget about it. Man. Uh, now, when I mentioned that we would be doing MASH at the end of the show, you did yeah. say that you were familiar with her because you had a sister. So let's talk a little bit about your family structure okay. in Holyoke, um, where that's where you went to high school, presumably. Correct. Um, yeah. How how many other kids are in your family? Irish family. Just my sister. Just your, you didn't, uh, didn't you avoided yeah. no, the 12-member <laughs> no. Irish family? No, my parents broke one Catholic rule, and I think it probably has to do with birth control. But yeah. it isn't sort of the thing... Even these days, you print, Mom, 
was it just, you know, the rhythm method or were you just lucky? Uh, so, yeah, it was just the two of us. And how but we did she- have a family at school. Uh, I won't mention their name, an Irish family, and they had eight kids. And so, uh, you know, very traditional and all, all Irish names, you know, there was Bridget and Seamus and Tommy. And, you know, it just was like, uh, it's, you know, we thought it was weird because we were kids, but I think it's very quaint now. Yeah, I know. No kidding. Um, and is your, is your sister older than you or is she younger? She's you? younger. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. She's younger. And she still lives in town and uh, got a nice family. Her husband's a good guy and three really great kids. And I'm the one that uh, hit the road uh, yeah. and, and went to the big city of New Hampshire uh-huh. to go to school. Uh-huh. The big city of yeah. the state of New Hampshire. Yeah, the state of New, <laughs> big city of the state of New Hampshire. <laughs> I think like, you know, when I, th- you know, uh, and just let me know whenever you want to start the podcast. Oh, uh, shit. Oh, shit. <laughs> uh, I, I feel a little bit like the reason I picked a school out of state was, you know, not only because, you know, I thought the curriculum was good, uh, and it's not because I had any kind of bad childhood or relationships there or anything. I think part of me wanted to know if they would chase me. Really? Emotionally, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like, would they want me back, which is, I don't know, it's probably very sad. Uh, There's but, plenty of that on my podcast, so don't even worry about it. <laughs> yeah, it just hit me like one Christmas, like it all, like the unifying theory of my life just like popped into my head yeah, yeah. for three minutes and then it vanished. And all I remember was I had it. I didn't remember what the equation uh-huh. was. But <laughs> be like Einstein going, E equals MC, what you uh-huh. want? You're, you're, you're getting lunch? Oreos. Uh, I'll be Oreos. right there. I'll be right there. E, oh, damn it. <laughs> I had it right there. Yeah. No, that's, I mean, that. Uh, I think that's first of all. I think you're probably not alone in that. Um, mm-hmm. But it, but it, but it's interesting because it's a very specific kind of, I guess, test is using the most you know sort of severe yeah. version of that. But it's not like you were attention seeking in that wounded kid. I'm going to be bad and like spray graffiti on something or right. do you know what I mean? Like it feels like a very do, gentle yeah. sort of like you know. Okay, I'm going off to. Going off to university, everybody. Yeah, I, and he, what, what are you going to do with my room? Keep it exactly as it as it is, or? Uh... <laughs> and they did, they did. I was just there, and oh, I'm god, like, oh god, that my did not god. happen to me. Yeah, lucky you. Oh, my they, dad was like, "I'm moving into your room immediately. I cannot wait to get rid of everything you've ever owned. I will keep one box of some old like report cards." My dad is not sentimental about that at all. But then yeah, have, I, like, a million pictures of me. It's okay. It looks like right. I died. It looks like he. Right. I died. He took over the entire house, but there's a bunch of cute pictures of me. There's a funereal feel <laughs> about your, <laughs> your, your, your room. I opened a drawer on the desk, and I found all these short stories that I had written when I was in high school, and it's all in blue paper and typewriter. You know, it just doesn't look like anything that you would make today. Yeah. Was, oh, this is so embarrassing. That somebody could have found this. Oh yeah. Here and read it out loud. Oh no, this is this. Uh, <laughs> I would have died of embarrassment. My beautiful words. Yeah, I'm sure it's horrible now. I just you know, you just think you're like, oh yes, symbolism. I'm <laughs> going know. to write this. I'm going to write this thing about the folly of nuclear war. You know, like Sting in his song oh, Russians. My God. It's, 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 yeah. Oh yes. 
I, I just I'm going to be 15 and solve everything. Oh, and, I you know. definitely did that. I mean, you, it's so clear in my writing in high school mm-hmm. what I was reading or what I was into. I mean, it's and that's a time for that, I guess, except for maybe a few savants. But that's kind of a time to try all that on. Like, I've totally joked that there was a period of time in which everything I wrote, wrote sounded like I was trying to write a Dylan Thomas poem, even if it was like an <laughs> essay about, you know, something like a city. I mean, it was just I couldn't couldn't be more interested in like how do I just how do I talk about like how do I how do I take a a noun and turn it into a verb and like there's just a sort of you know it was real purple prosy and so were you but were you if you were writing short stories just of your own accord then you were really interested in writing from pretty early on I guess you know I remember being nine years old and somebody found a typewriter and brought it out and it was like oh just sort of the idea that like you could all of a sudden type stuff. And I remember we started and it was my cousin and I, and we were typing up, you know, last night, the Bruins won by three to five and Terry O'Reilly <laughs> had the winning goal and just doing a couple of little things like that. Yeah. And then you'd get, and I don't know, did you ever use typewriter or you wrote it out? I've, I never used a typewriter. Yeah. I don't think there was a period of time in which there was a typewriter that was in between writing and a computer. I think, mm-hmm. I think it was, it was just like whenever, we could get the first tiny little Mac square cube, you know, that that printed really loud on a printer. I don't remember an in-between of a typewriter, although I have typed on a typewriter, and I have to say it is very satisfying. Yeah, but, like, you get that typewriter on your desk, and then, like, you see this ream of paper. Yeah. Of clean paper that's just calling to you, yeah. right? And, uh, man, there's just something uh, inspiring about that, so... Uh, you know, tickety tick tick tick, and you know, I got to be uh, instead of like pecking uh, finger and peck, I ended up in high school getting into the secretarial class. Yeah, by accident. You know, so it's a typing class, and good, I'm going to do term papers, and then, you know, we're doing how many words a minute you can go, and it, it, I thought it was, I thought I had made a huge mistake because I got a C in the in the class, but it was so helpful because no every day I'm typing, and I mean, who would have thought that? Uh, you know, that would be a skill that would transfer through journalism and PR and, you know, doing all writing books and all, all sorts of other things. And also, like, if I'm not mistaken, an iconic image for your podcast. Yes. <laughs> we started off with a nice cliche, which is, oh, we're crime writers. Let's use the typewriter. And they're like, no, we're more of a podcast. So now it's a microphone. And I really, I, I would, I would not. Uh, recommend anybody starting a podcast use that imagery. Nobody s- goes to a movie because the movie poster has a camera on it. <laughs> it's like, yes, we get that you use that. <laughs> Let me see Bruce Willis and the it's exploding the first building. You know, step of charades that you really want to yeah, just exactly. preserve forever. Listen, it's it's done just fine for you. But I mean, I do remember the typewriter. I really, yeah. I really do remember the typewriter. It sort of called to me, like, okay, you've got to, you got, you have to do something. It was like a little uh, angel on my shoulder that looked like a drill sergeant. Uh-huh. Like, oh no, type, 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 type. And you know, it's just sort of, you know, reading short stories and typing short stories. I learned a lot about, um, you know, what sort of made a good story. And I was to say, look, you got to get them immediately. Don't wait till page three to sort of get into the story. Yeah. Bam, right off from the top and have a don't let them guess what's going to happen. Yeah. If they know what the ending is, a surprise ending, it's not a surprise. Yeah. So 
All right. Okay. That's a couple of good things. And then you kind of go from there. And then when did that transfer, or not to say that it has to go from one to the other, but when did journalism kind of start to to come into that? When I went to college, I went to a small school that had both a communications program and a theater program because I always kind of wanted to, you know, get into get into acting and what, but I can't sing. So, you know, you're like, well, you're never going to Broadway. Yeah. So it's kind of, you know, trying to, so I thought, you know, journalism would be my fallback job. And little did I know how competitive an industry that was. So it just kind of got into that. And I went to my first English class and you had the first assignment and the teacher said, well, you can really write. I "I can write? Really? I'm, I'm good at it. And I just basically felt like I was competent in a field where there was a lot of incompetence. Yeah. That, you know, that uh, the, there are a lot of people who just do not know how to write well. Uh, and I don't know. Like when I write prose, I'm halfway through a sentence. I go back. I change some words around. I want it to sing. Yeah. And uh, so when someone finally told me, yeah, you're good at that, then I, was, I became confident in that. And that was, that was my thing. Okay, we're going to take a break. I will be back after a word from our wonderful buddies at Maximum Fun. Hi, my name is Graham Clark, and I'm one half of the podcast Stop Podcasting Yourself, a show that we've recorded for many, many years. And uh, at the moment, instead of being in person, we're recording remotely, and uh, you wouldn't even notice. You don't even notice the lag. That's right, Graham. And uh, the great thing about this. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Okay. Okay, go ahead. And you can listen to us uh, every week on MaximumFun.org. Or wherever you get your podcasts. Your podcasts. Well, Wonderfuls, if you heard my previous ad for Made In, one of our wonderful sponsors to the JV Club, you know that I was eagerly, nay, anxiously anticipating the arrival of my amazing Made In chef's knife. I have received said knife. I have been using it nonstop. I feel like I've been using it to cut things that don't need to be cut with a chef's knife. I absolutely love it. It is a gorgeous red. It's all one piece, which I know if you know a thing or two about knives, it's kind of a sign of quality. And uh, I absolutely love it. And the the red handle is so sexy. It really stands out in my kitchen of somewhat colorless utensils. So if quality and craftsmanship, friends, are important to you, and I know that they are, you need to check out Made In. It's a cookware and kitchenware brand that works with renowned chefs and artisans to produce some of the world's best pots, pans, knives, I can speak to that, and wine glasses. They source the finest materials, and then they partner with renowned craftsmen to make premium kitchen tools available directly to you without the markup. They're made to last. They offer a lifetime guarantee. They heat evenly, can easily go from the stovetop to the oven. And I just can't stop talking about my fully forged, perfectly balanced knife. And it is sharp as the dickens. I gotta handle with care, as I should, with a beautiful knife like my chef's knife from Made In. Now, if you are listening to this podcast between 621, that's June 21st and June 27th, you are in luck because Made In is doing its only sale of the year. Now through June 27th, you can get industry pricing. That's right, the same price that they give Michelin star restaurants, Michelin star restaurants that buy in bulk. That's up to 25% off site-wide 
So please go to madeincookware.com slash jvclub and use promo code jvclub for 25% off your first order. That's madeincookware.com slash jvclub. Use promo code, you know what's coming, jvclub. You really called out something that, that that I relate to in a way that shows me why I... I didn't have that bug earlier on. And I think part of it, I mean, listen, I don't know. Part of it might be male, female stuff. Like there is, mm-hmm. there was, you know, we're about the same age. And I think there's a, there was a, a measure of, you know, you know what? That's not fair for me to say. I don't want to turn everything into a gender thing. Um, it might've just also been like me being a kid who, and uh, people who listen to my podcast are probably so tired of, of mentions of this every so often, but just being so afraid of criticism, like one of those kids who was good enough at a few things that mm-hmm. that the messaging somehow in my own brain was like, only do the things you're great at immediately. Uh, mm-hmm. Don't, and, and, and everything else you're terrible at and always will be, so just stay away from yeah. it. And so that, and that creates a really bad vacuum in which you avoid criticism. So I guess, in fact, that is a type of conflict um, <laughs> because it feels like scolding, like somehow creative, right. you know, cr- like critique becomes cr- immediate criticism. Like you can't see past just thinking like, I, what I hear you're saying is I'm garbage. Um, mm. and, and so I think for writing, I didn't have that, like everything you just said about sort of writing a sentence and then looking back at it and going, could this be better? How, how do I make, you know, and that that's part of the craft um, for me. And my dad is a, is a writer. And yet I still and was an English teacher. And I still had the sense of like, you write the sentence once and then you never look at it again. And if it's not right. good, you know, it's like, no. It took me so long to figure out that there could be joy and yes, headache, but that the writing process can can go that can and should go through these different uh, formats, these different uh, drafts, and that that if you can still stand it by the end, uh, hopefully it's because you know you made it better instead of like ugh, I've looked at this so many times now I think it's awful, you know. Yeah, rejection and self doubt are things that. You know that you know we have to deal with, in you know in in you know my non podcast line of work, and the same with you. I mean, I can't imagine auditioning for anything, and okay, you know you're okay, but uh, you know you're too short or whatever the hell, yeah. Or we're just not gonna, we're just not gonna you know call you back. Yeah, uh, it's a, yeah, it's, it's a hard exposure thing to get over, right? slash immersion mm. therapy. It's a thing that like if you if. If you if you don't if if that's terrifying to you a you could either yes totally avoid it which I think I did for a while or just plow right into it and if you have the right attitude about it you know you can but I think it's true with writers too who are constantly submitting for you know publication or pitching to magazines mm-hmm. if you don't have one thing that you do if you're freelance and stuff same thing like how many times do you have to write a letter saying hey here's this great thing or an email or whatever like I've got this great idea for a story or here's this book we want to write and you know um a lot of the time people say like that's not for us and you either go, oh, I guess that means it's not for anybody, or you go, well, right. I, you know what? I will try twenty-five other people, and if the twenty-fifth person wants to be a part of it, then then that's a success. But that's a whole, real learned skill, I think, to sort of yeah. survive that. As an artist, it's hard to separate yourself from the art. Yeah. So criticism of the art, um, it's hard to not take that as a personal criticism. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, so 
yeah, so sometimes you're right. You just want to stay in your lane. And so I commend people that do things that are outside of their lane. Absolutely. Like, oh, like umping? I'm sorry, like umping. Uh... Umpiring baseball. <laughs> Janet, every part of my body hurts. It does? I can't. Oh, no. Oh, my God. Look, I, are you a fit baseball fan? I don't I mean, I, I, I enjoy baseball. Much. You understand I the game? I okay. definitely do. You pitch you the know, balls. That's the yeah. That's the umpire. No. Right. You know, some people do like couch to 5K. I did couch to ump- umpiring <laughs> high school and Little League baseball this year. And, you know, the str- the out sign and the strike sign are the same. It's like you raise a fist. They call it ringing the bell. It's like, oh. Yeah. Uh, but if it's a close play, they call it a banger. If it's really close, you have to sell the call. And that's the one where the umpire kind of like punches towards the ground. Like, yeah. Whoa. I, okay. So you I, only get to be vigorous or you should only be vigorous when there's a chance that people are going to question. Yeah. Otherwise, it's, it's like, close, ah, why waste play? your energy? Yes. Everybody knows that was out. Okay. Right. This is right. good to know. Yeah. I've thrown out my shoulder twice. Oh, I just was like, oh, I'm like, no more close plays, <laughs> Flynn. Just he's out. Fine. Oh, God, you know? I would totally do that. I would totally do that. I absolutely would throw something. I really would. Um, I did my first game with nine year olds. I've been doing junior varsity. And so the local, you know, I, I, yeah, sure. I'll help with the local uh, little league, whatever. Yeah, all Dane. It's neighbors. With the little league. Right. I didn't realize they were this young. So it's just like it's a lot of, you know, pitchers like catchers missing the ball and it rolls to the backstop. And the kid who just got to walk is suddenly on third base. And we had a kid come out and he'd been there for half an inning and he didn't have a chest protector on. Nobody noticed. And it's just like, oh, my God, this is it's adorable. Yeah. But it's a little crazy. And so I had this play at home plate where. Uh, you know, gets by. There's a guy in third, and the ball gets past the catcher, and the catcher jumps up, and he runs, and he has, and the batter's in his way, and has a collision with the batter, and the pitcher comes out of nowhere with the baseball and slides into the <laughs> the runner, and the runner stops like two feet short of the plate, and I jump up, and I need to make a call, and I say, "There's a lot going on uh-huh. here." <laughs> <laughs> so I just like I just out and let's get out of this inning. You and, don't uh, usually have to unpack something that's no. happening in baseball. No, on a, on in high school you got another umpire you can go over and like I'm only yeah. no, I don't know. I mean, I guess it was an obstruction on the batter, but you know, the catcher really didn't make the play. Okay, you know, you're yeah. out. And I just like okay, out, fine. Let's just <laughs> go on to the next thing, kids. Did you play? Um, I can't remember. I know you talked about the the your enjoyment of baseball but I can't remember if you said you played it when you were uh, like in high school or in in grade school or if you just enjoyed it as a did you play as a kid I played yeah uh, yeah, I played baseball and and soccer and then I started I I ended up getting out of baseball because I became afraid of the the grass cutter the fast you know hit back to the shortstop I was afraid I was going to get hit yeah all of a sudden because now they were hitting the ball really hard Uh and (laughs) Part of it was like, I mean, I was I was all glove. I could dive and make catch. I was really an athletic infielder. Yeah. Um, but I just, I don't know. I said, okay, I'm gonna instead. I'm just gonna get a job at the deli, <laughs> and I'll make I'll make four seventy five an hour. And uh, well, I sorry guys, I can't wait. Can't join the team. You couldn't. You so you couldn't. You couldn't say like, listen, I love being infield, but I feel like I'm ready for a change. I'd love to be way out way there. Way out. Yeah. 
Yeah, and then I couldn't get a bead on the ball. Meaning, like, you see it go up in the oh, air. Oh, yeah, that's intimidating. It's that up, and you're like, eh, is that in front of you? Is that over you? Yeah. You just, I never learned that. So, so you know, I sort of having, you know, my midlife crisis here. Like, what am I going to do? Uh, and I didn't feel like I could tell a kid, you know, be a coach. It's like, you know, just, you know, put your, you know, square your shoulders a little bit more. And yeah. I thought, yeah, I could be an umpire because it basically looks like you stand at a base and point and, and then I find out, oh, no, you've got to run to here, and you have to do this. And like, oh, God, and I'm pulling muscles. Like, and how I, did we just... all miss that all, that those things are also required of an umpire? Because it doesn't come into my, like, thinking about what the job would be either. I would also go, like, wait, what? Has this been going because, on and I never noticed before? That umpires... Because when you see a game, yeah. you see, there are four umpires, so everybody's uh... just hanging out. Their thing is, do I stand here or do I stand here? Right. You got... Two umpires, one's behind the plate, and one is the bases umpire. So with nobody on, you're here, and then yeah. with one run, first and third, you're here, and then you've someone hits the ball, and you've got to run. You know, it's it's a little crazy because you have to do more things. So I was kind of regretting regretting it a little bit, but I just I'm just having so much fun. Good. That the first time I got out on the field, I felt like a kid, and I was like, I'm going to do this. I get mad when it rains. Yeah, you know, right now tonight I have I have a four o'clock junior varsity game and it got canceled because of rain and I'm like bummed out about it, you know. And they reschedule it to tomorrow. I'm like, excellent. Oh, I can that's still go great. out, and I'll come home all achy. Yeah, and uh, you know, I don't know. It just uh, I've had it. You know, um, my wife says, you know, Kim, you've had a rough couple of years. Yeah, you know, health wise and other things and. Uh, it just, I needed something for me. Yeah. And, uh, this well, was especially, it. yeah, I mean, God, to me, it makes so much sense. And, and again, it's like the, yeah, the pandemic and, and the, the sort of disconnect. And we've been lucky because um, I, you and, and I and, and, and other folks who do what we do because we've still had these very specific reasons to stay connected to the world and at least to other people that we know we're going to talk to every week or, you know, uh, or multiple times a week. Um, but yeah, that just the being out in the world at all mm-hmm. and having a reason to do that, I think it all, it, it just all makes sense. But yeah, you definitely, I mean, you, you even more than me, but it, it's been a rough, it's been a rough couple of years. It has. Yeah. <laughs> just to bring people, I mean, the, the thumbnail is that I had thyroid cancer and it required two surgeries. And on the second surgery, they damaged my voice as a podcaster, that wasn't good, and I had to have surgery to have it repaired. And then uh, I lost my dad to COVID around Christmas, and so it was just like, okay. And I'm I'm getting old, and I'm like, what am I doing with my life, yeah. you know? Past four years, I think a lot of people are thinking, you know what? what am I doing something good for yeah. society and, and, and whatnot? And, you know, am I just going to be on the sidelines? And not that, you know, you're not saving the world by umpiring baseball, but, you know, I feel like, okay, you're doing something good for kids right and and it's fun for yourself and you make 68 bucks a game so thank you taxpayers that's great it's Uh, i mean it's the anti buying a fast car like that it really is is. like that there's that is the it's couldn't be in many ways more different than that because it's you engaging with a community opposed to like how fast can i (laughs) how fast can i drive by myself in a place where maybe i won't get a ticket that's like it doesn't feel like it's very satisfying I'm sure it is. You know, I went to high school with somebody that you might know. Oh, really? Yeah, because you're big into improv. Yeah, as part yeah. Of your, yeah. Uh, T.J. Jagodowski. Oh, like T.J. Like 
Like TJ TJ. TJ. Yeah. Yeah, TJ TJ. Yes. Oh, he's the guy from the so Sonic commercials. Great. TJ and Dave. Is, yeah. Yeah, TJ uh, and Dave. They are brilliant improvisers. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, be, above and beyond. I mean, certainly in the Second City and, and IO communities, they are like legendary. Um, but but yeah, I think even beyond that, because they do college dates and stuff and, and teach classes uh, across the country, which I hope they'll be able to get back into. Maybe they've been doing it online. I don't know. But um, yeah, they're really special. They are like my friend Scott Adsit is uh, is very much in their sort of school, and I think probably they came out together, but he still reveres them. And Adsit, in the meantime, is a person that a lot of other improvisers sort of look to as like, he's the best there mm-hmm. is. And so when that guy says, no, they're the best there is, like, that's really, you know, they, they blow me away. They blow me away. Yeah, TJ and I and Matt Collimore and Tim Shan and the four of us in middle school, we were really tight. And I'll tell you, TJ, he never did any in high school, never did any performing. Yeah. He was not a theater kid. He That just sort of came about, you know, when he got to college. Yeah. And so, like, years later to find out that, like, he's the Michael Jordan of, you know, <laughs> yeah. long-form improv, it's like, wow, well, somebody went to high school with Michael Jordan. And yeah. so I just thought <laughs> it was right. amazing. That's and, right. I got to catch up with him in New York one time after one of his shows, and uh, you know it was it was really great. You know, I'm really happy for him. Uh, But yeah, I just thought it was it was a funny way for him to go. He was, I think, the either the valedictorian of the high school, and you know, I thought, oh, he's gonna go to Wall Street or become a lawyer or something. Yeah, you know, something good. Not you know, not a performer. (laughs) Message received. Message received. Yeah. Yeah, but he's, he's you know a really smart, really nice guy, and I don't think he's changed at all. If you know him, yeah. or you know of him, then he's uh, yeah. It's it's I'm really happy for his success. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of improvisers. I mean, listen, I don't know, but uh, there's I feel like there's something different to, and I'm and I'm and I bet there's a really good. Uh, kind of comparison that you could make to certain types of journalism or certain types of writing, certain types of other kind of performing where there is, you, I mean, with the exception of someone like Amy Poehler, who didn't become famous for being an improviser, although she's one of the best improvisers mm-hmm. I've ever seen, uh, you don't end, like, if you make improv your number one job or your number one goal to get great at, you, there's no way you're doing it for money. There's no way that you're motivated because you have stars in your eyes and you can't wait to star in a movie. And like, that's just not that avenue. And so and it it really is about like the work and the experience of the the sort of being in that moment and being uh, playing with someone else opposed to like a stand up who sort of has the experience of like this is all riding on me. But the glory comes to me. And, you know, this sort of it's a much more solitary craft than doing improv and those guys are just you know i mean they've done other groups besides just the two of them but they've become the most well known for just being a two-person improv group but for me i want like you know i want five other people uh that yeah that can make me look better when i totally flop and they can <laughs> quickly come up and sweep up after me and get everybody back again yes, it's very and. yeah exactly i mean it's very it's just very communal and it's very i think it's a pretty humble thing to do uh versus had he really wanted to take that talent and you know move to la and just become the star of a sitcom um mm-hmm. 
you know, he he could have done that. So I think even that in of itself kind of speaks to like where his priorities were, which is very yeah. cool. Yeah. He told me that the Sonic commercials, you know, financially allow yeah. him to do all the stuff he wants to yeah. do. Yeah. Which is, you know, do these shows or show up at somebody else's show and it's, come on up, you know, one of those one of those things. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's uh you know, it's great to be I guess I guess it's niche, uh, but you know to be be the best or one of the best sure. at the thing that you do is, you know, is really great. Absolutely, absolutely. And so I'm gonna be the best umpire for nine year old kids <laughs> ever, ever. You got a pretty good thing going on with the with the podcast and the and the book writing right. yeah. as well. Um, when did you get into the crime of it all? I can't believe I just said that. I promised myself I would never say the blank of it all about anything, and I've just all. said it. I've just said it. The murder of it all. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, the story is that I was a general assignment reporter for the local TV station, and I had weekends, so anything that happened on the weekend was my thing to run and cover. And uh, there was a, on a Saturday, no, it was a Sunday, because everybody went out drinking afterwards on Sundays. <laughs> uh, on a Sunday, there was a call for a missing person in this small town, and so we've done this, it was spring, and this happens not infrequently so we rushed to the local police station and we're looking for like fish and game and all the volunteer hikers that are going and it's a missing person none of that's going on right huh. okay, something is up so we 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 wait in the my cameraman and I were waiting in the lobby of this police station and the walls are really thin and I hear somebody go by me and I recognize it as the one of the lead state police detectives and he says so do you think she killed him and then dismembered the body Whoa. or dismembered the body and then burned it? And I was like, oh, this is no missing person. So I think I always, you know, from the day that I got that typewriter, I felt like someday I'm going to write a book. Yeah. And whether it's fiction or nonfiction or whatever. And it just kind of hit me like, this is the book. Didn't know anything. Didn't wow. know. Didn't have the Kevin, name of the suspect. So cool. And yeah. And it ended up becoming a book called Wicked Intentions. And it's about uh a serial killer named Sheila Labar who had this farm in Little Epping, New Hampshire, was secluded, and she basically would have uh, these guys who were, uh, y- you know, somewhat easily led, you know, maybe uh, intellectually uh, disabled or, um, you know, a, a little slow, yeah. I guess is how you would say it, right? And she'd bring them to the farm, Holy and she'd use them for sex and then kill them, shit. you know? And uh, it was great, and I, I liked the book, and... I remember writing the first couple of chapters, and it was sort of like from my point of view, where I tell that story. And then I pitch an agent, and she says, this is great. You know, we're going to do this, but it isn't your story. Everybody think, you know, so write it in the third person. I'm okay, that makes sense. Right. I write the whole, not the whole book. Yeah, I guess I write a lot of the book. They sell it to a publisher, and the publisher says, this is good, but I want to s- see more of you. <laughs> <laughs> so like, oh, okay. Uh, so it, I, I, those are back, two it different like, schools of thinking, right? I mean, yeah, that really is yeah. like that's a conversation I feel like you guys have a lot, which is you know when it is something, especially when it's crime, because that's a particularly sensitive type of story mm-hmm. in many ways. Um, like how how much do you get to inject yourself into it? Should you? Should you not? Um, and it, and it, and it's such a varying opinion, both from whatever the content is and just the person who's experiencing it, the the, the reader or the you know the watcher. Um, that's got. I mean, I feel like that's 
that's a really that's a tightrope. Did you feel weird about that? Or did you feel like, oh, well, that's kind of what I wanted to do anyway. So this feels more right. Yeah, I mean, I think today I'd probably push back a little more on that because it can be a little self-indulgent. And I don't think it is my story. I think maybe part of it was they're thinking, oh, someday we could uh, option this as a movie and then you have a lead there. Right. You know, I guess they kind of want a character that starts in the beginning and is there at the end. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I was I was okay with that. Uh, That's a really specific, extremely rare sounding in terms of what we hear about female number one. And then, mm -hmm. oh, my gosh, like, that's very dark. Was that did you was I'm going to send you copies. Oh, I wish you would. Please do. Yeah. Is can it and, and, and have you done on the, the podcast? Audio? Yes, I will. It is. Uh, ha- have you? Is it? PO is box. it an audiobook too? Have you? It's not it, an audiobook. Uh, it's uh, it's the only. Listen, uh, if you ever want me to just read it as an audiobook for funsies, <laughs> I love 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 narrating audiobooks, and it's something I haven't spent any time pursuing. I think I just was like, it was one of those things where I was like. I, Have you done a couple? I did. A, I've done a couple, and then I was like, and now I'll just wait for the offers to roll in. <laughs> There's no agency for that. There's no one who no. seeks that out for you. It doesn't it's really pay thing. well, but I love no. it. I just love reading out loud for some reason. And so there's no, so there's, there's nothing. I was like last summer when I did the first couple, I was like, here we go. This is going to be great. And then I was like, oh, I, I really would have to work at this full time yeah. to develop any kind of relationship with others. So, but now I'm like, ooh, if I have any friends who write books that are good, like I'll just say, "Hey, you want me to read this?" <laughs> and so people can so people who don't read anymore, who only listen to books uh on on in some kind of audio forum can listen to it. Yeah, when they made us the deal, uh, you know, to sell the the audio rights, uh they okay, this is the offer and if you want to read it, your own book We'll add another thousand dollars to it. Yeah, and I'm like, are you? I'm gonna read my own stuff for ten hours, and you're gonna give me a grand? Yeah. I mean, I just didn't feel like you no, know no, it was equitable. I mean, a thousand dollars is a lot to some people, but no, it's, that's just like, no, no, no. Decision. Give it, give it to someone else, and I hope that she made more than a thousand dollars. Yeah. Reading in her closet on her iPad or however they, you know, everyone does it. Yeah. But wait, but it isn't one, so no one did. It's not. No, a couple of other ones are. Okay. Uh, okay. So we have, uh, but but Wicked Intentions is not. So if anybody wants to pick up the uh, the film rights are still available, the audio rights, all the you know all those other ancillary rights. That, uh, I'm not kidding. You know. Send me a copy and I'll see what I can do. Oh, I definitely will. Yeah. <laughs> I'll see what I can do. I mean, I have no. I have zero. Seri- power. You're perfect zero for the serial plow- Zero power, but I absolutely will get involved. Don't even you're- sweat it. Um, I'm looking at the your color, the color of your hair right now, and you remind me. If you were a little shorter, you could be Sheila. Oh, I my. think you you would. Uh, it's you, pink. Yeah, my hair's pink, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Did she have pink hair? Think, well, she had like red hair. Yeah, this looks very. It was, red di- it was dyed my, red, yeah. and yeah. I'm like, it's a, it was a weird color, and it's not pink. It's more like on the the ketchup uh-huh. part of the <laughs> color chart. <laughs> Everyone knows but, the catch-up uh, part of the chart. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> were you, uh, and we'll get into the Smash game in a moment, but um, when you were a teenager, uh, number one, were you dating? And number two, totally unrelated to number one, uh, what was the kind of pop culture stuff that really sort of lit you up? Was it film? Was it, um, you know, were you were you sort of a nerd for certain types of music? What did that yeah. kind of look like? Yeah, I started getting, as far as music goes, uh I was into 
Billy Joel, Elton John, people played the piano. Yeah. Uh, piano rock and, and the Beatles. Uh, so, you know, kind of standard. I wasn't into, you know, a lot of people liked uh, Iron Maiden and there was, you know, the sort of the, the nascent heavy metal stuff. The, the hair bands were coming in and then a little bit of rap was starting, but I was still pretty traditional, uh, you know, FM, adult contemporary or <laughs> yeah. album oriented rock format. Yeah. Uh, and then I, so I, I started, I took up the keyboard and, you know, I was never any really good at it. I can mechanically do it where I could, you know, my fingers went here and, yeah. you, you know, I could do that. And I felt it in my soul, Janet. I yeah. really did, but I just couldn't, I was not Thelonious Monk. <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, uh, so uh, that's what was going on. I mean, it was the 80s. And so we uh, we did what we could. I went to a Catholic high school. And so there was a, it wasn't uniforms, but there was a dress code. You had to wear a tie. So I remember everybody had these skinny ties that have like uh, piano keys on them. Uh-huh. <laughs> totally. And everybody had one. Totally. Do you remember? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, so there was, you know, some people. What if you were like, and that's pants. what I played? I was not clear about that. I played ties. I didn't actually play I a keyboard. Ties, yeah. I just played a tie. Looked like I was playing a clarinet. Just. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that that's what was going on. I certainly, uh, a Star Wars geek. Yeah. Man, so we had HBO, so anything that was on HBO is just sort of, you know, so Poltergeist. I must have seen Poltergeist 12 oh, times yeah. because it was always in heavy rotation. And, uh, yeah, so, yeah, I, I'm really a, a kid of the 80s, and I sort of love all of that. I was not dating. Okay. I mean, not for lack of trying. Uh-huh. There was one girl, <laughs> this one girl, and I'll leave her name out of it, but she was... Uh, blonde, blonde, beautiful blonde hair, and she was one grade um, younger than I was, and so I didn't have the courage uh, to ask her out. So one day I called her house, and when she picked up the phone, I placed the receiver on my cassette player, oh. and I played Lionel Richie's "Hello." Um. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> and that's that it's verse so goes on, on a long nose. time. Yeah, and I picked it up, and she she'd hung up. You know, it was, it was so weird. <laughs> and reported it to the police. I'm being stopped yeah. by Lionel Richie, presumably. Yeah. Oh. This was before, obviously, before caller ID. Was your ID. heart just pounding? Like, were your hands oh, yeah. clammy? Like, I'm, do- I'm oh, doing yeah. this. It's the bravest yeah. thing I've ever done, but it won't actually involve me speaking. Maybe I'd pick up the phone, she'd be like, oh, yes, I love you. I'm so glad. <laughs> Let's go to the mall. What was I going to do? I didn't have a you know, I was I know. 14. I didn't oh, have a car, God. I you know. Had so I, many, yeah. like, our, like, my dad had a, a blue Datsun King cab uh, mm. with a shell, and it had this two little tiny square flip down seats that were just mm-hmm. wedged between the back of the truck and the two front seats. And a, an, a, an adult person could never have fit in those seats, but I have so many memories of, like, my dad taking my little sixth grade boyfriend and me to the mall. And like, I think neither of us were allowed in the passenger seat because he was definitely one of those parents who very early on was like, the passenger seat's not safe. And so we'd just be sitting knock kneed, like, because mm. you face each other. And my and your and my dad's head is just right there. And it was so, so awkward. So awkward. And then you go to the mall and it's like, what are we, what are you going to do? If there's, if you're, you're lucky, Spencer's. if there's a movie theater, yeah. you a hundred percent go to Spencer's. You could kill a lot yep. of time in there. I there was definitely would get a pretzel, hot yep. pretzel. Got to do that. Uh, but that was really, but you know, and were you, 
let me ask you this, and then we really will get into the mash game. But this is I'm yeah. getting some good ideas for for our mash categories. Do you feel like in in this era uh, of your life in which you you do have a sense of like I went through these things and you know listen you might have ended up wanting to be an umpire no matter what happened like who knows right you know what I mean like <laughs> right. may have nothing to do with pandemic may have nothing to do with cancer like it may just have been something that was you know something that might trigger for you some I don't know but um, do you feel because I remember feeling like I've always been nostalgic on a personal level about sort of my past, but yeah. I I only recently in the last like five years or so have have seen myself fall into the category of like, oh, yes, I do have very positive, strong feelings about the 80s and 90s because of the age I was then. And mm-hmm. I am falling for all of the things that are being called back, you know, be it uh, Stranger Things, maybe not so much, but, you know, just certain things where other people my age who are making and producing things and putting them out there that also call to me because they represent this era in my life. Um, I don't feel like I had that until... I hit a certain point and then all of a sudden I was like, oh no, I am that person. Like a people a little older than me or even like our parents, like their nostalgia for the 50s or 60s. Right. I remember sort of eye rolling at that for a long time. Like, oh, I get it. But like, calm down. There's been a lot of eras in the, you know, in our yeah. lifetimes and they've been great. And now I'm now I don't feel that way. And I mean, now I have that sure. sort of like. Oh, but the 80s, like, ugh, Right, yeah, no, I mean, we grew up, Happy Days was on, yeah. so you're like, oh, exactly. so the 50s is a thing, and someday are, are we going to be a thing? Yeah. You know, Kit, Gen X, I mean, they didn't even come up with a name for us, right? Like, ah, okay, yeah. Gen X, because we can't, <laughs> we can't, nothing happened, there's no baby boom, you're just here. Yeah. Uh, but no, I never went away from uh, loving my time period, the 80s and the music, and, you know, uh so it never like all of a sudden became nostalgic all of a got sudden. Got it. Got it. Yeah. I'd always yeah that party mix of the eighties. You know, Kaja Goo Goo. Right. Gotta, <laughs> who, gotta do the Loved Live Aid. Yeah. Uh, and all that stuff. And you know, even I, I'm trying to think. You know, at some point, you know, at our age, we stop picking up new artists, right? Yeah. And you're just, uh, you know, I think the last. I, maybe it was Lily Allen or Green Day, but that's sort of anything after that. Yeah. It just kind of I've, I've aged out, and I'm like comfortable with what with what I have. So, uh, but yeah, all that stuff, the TVs and the movies, and uh, I wouldn't get the clothes again, but I do laugh and enjoy. <laughs> I like seeing, you know, like oh yeah, that's yeah yeah sure. I remember those kinds of ties yeah. and whatnot, and uh, the hairstyles. Yeah, uh, you know, the girls' ha- hairstyles are, are, are something. Uh, yeah, and it's good to kind of go back to that. Look, just not that I want to like steal the sh- the show here, but no, I have please. sort of a a, a a thing that like brings a lot of this stuff yeah, back around. Yeah, please. Right? It was my high school reunion. Oh, sure. Where never been to and I one. Think when it, never been to one. Oh god, Janet. So, I went to my 10-year reunion with my first wife and I was a radio reporter. Did it feel like it enough time awkward. had passed for it to be no. yeah. No, I mean, certainly for, I find that, you know, kids that didn't leave the area, they grew up there, they're not interested. They don't care. They see everybody around all the time at the bar. And so it's not a big thing for them. But I'd moved away and I came back for, you know, uh, this, uh, this event. And it was, you know, it was good. It was good. It was still a little awkward because I still felt felt like, 
the nerdy outsider kid that didn't have a lot of friends, and so it was, you know, it was kind of like that. And so I didn't go back to another one until I guess it was the 20th. It was the weekend before my book was coming out, my first all book. All right, all right, riding high. Yeah, and I had I had I had divorced my first wife. Get her out of there. I was, Move on. She was out of there, and I was with Rebecca, right? And Rebecca is a glamazon. She's a beautiful woman, yeah. but she was particularly smoking. Yeah. At this point, her hair was fantastic. She dressed up great, and she's a great wingman. Oh God, so like, yeah, she's so great just talking to people off the cuff and stuff. Yeah, but she will build you up, right? Yeah. Oh, if you, that's you know, great. You take her that's out, great. Janet, and she will make sure that you get. You know the nicest guy or whatever yeah. you want. So I'm I, I go in with her and I, ha- and I have like sort of no expectations. And you know what do you you know what's going on? Oh well, you know I have this this book coming out, and they're like, "Who's this? Is your girlfriend?" And all of the girls uh, who had you know ignored me or whatever, or just they're like all looking starry eyed at me and pulling Rebecca yeah. aside and what's he like? <laughs> and, I love it. Right, and like halfway through it, I'm like. Holy cow! This is the fantasy. Yeah, that teenage, you know. Oh, someday I'll come back, and you're gonna. That's right. I'm gonna be this. All the like Anthony Michael taxi. Hall characters yeah. from the eighties. Right. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, one of the big jocks who used to uh, knock me around, like pulled Rebecca aside, and she's he's like, "Well, what do you see in him?" And she did this, where she took out her fingers and made like a big. <laughs> Like, like, she was totally into it, and so I'm like, wow, I'm riding high. This is like a great night. Yeah. And everyone's like, oh, you were always the best guy. I'm like, oh, wow. And then all of a sudden, somebody crashes the high school reunion, and it's the girl that I did the hello thing to. Oh my god. Right. Okay. And she's there, and now I, I am unstoppable. I'm like, <laughs> I am going over to her. And I'm gonna say hi, yeah. and then I'm gonna tell her like how much like I you know I really liked her as a I had the biggest crush on you, and I'm gonna tell that. And Rebecca's like, no, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> so I'm like, no way, I'm totally in. And I go over to her, and I'm like, hey, she goes, it's, you know, it's me, Kevin Flynn, and uh, I got I had like the biggest crush on you as a kid, and she went. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> I was like, oh shoot! <laughs> like, well, that that was that was a bridge too far. It was a bridge too far. One bridge too far. God, but it is the sense of being a completist and being like, there's only yeah. one thing about this trope that's missing, and that's telling the girl that yeah. I had a crush on that I had a crush on her, and her being like, oh my god, I wish I would have known or whatever. And oh, then ducky. she crashes. It's like it yeah. feels like a message from the universe that you're supposed yeah. to do that. Turns out you. And won't. then I went back five years later, and I wasn't the big hit. T.J. Jagodowski was, <laughs> and so you I'm had like, your I'm window. I'm never going back to this. You I had, had my window. window. <laughs> it was fine. I mean, well, you know, we're f- friends on Facebook with everybody now. That's so important. There you go. Well, we've had like yeah, I've sort of had a small, you know, a, a sort of like hey. Here's here are these people who are stitched together either by this person keeps in touch mm-hmm. with these two people even though I haven't talked to them and this person yeah. and so we did like a a sort of mini I mean it was now that I say it, it sounds really snobby but it was like hey here are the people that I know I want to see and so we yeah. all sort right, of did right, like right, a twenty right. a twenty person reunion um, which was very satisfying but that definitely how big was your class oh god you know what I don't even know I. I'm, was it 50, I was, 100, 200? It was, it was big. Was I mean, it was a big public yeah. school. And it was actually two yeah. schools in one campus. One was a college prep school and one wasn't. Um, and I did not go to the college prep school. But uh, but 
I'm, I was one of those kids who like, I didn't go to my own graduation. My dad mm. retired the year he taught me. He was my senior English teacher. And, uh, oh. and, and we like, I don't know. He was, I, I don't know. I graduated like, I'm, there were three valedictorians and then I graduated fourth, had no oh, idea wow. I was going to be that, uh, did not show up. Like my dad and I went and did, I think we went on like a road trip to, to LA hmm. or something. Like I was, I, I just didn't have a connection despite the fact that my dad was my senior English teacher. I didn't have you a, didn't a connection it? to, I, I, I just didn't have that relationship to, to high school, even though you know, I love the kids that I went to school with and I, you know, but for some reason I don't know, like people ask me about that stuff. I always joke on the podcast that there were clubs that I didn't even know existed and they're very basic clubs. Like, oh, there was a chess club. Like, oh, I didn't know that. Oh, there was a choral. Oh, there was a choral. There was like a choir. I didn't know that. Like, cause I was, I just was either uh, smoking pot or doing theater stuff. uh, And it was not a good theater department. So I can't even (laughs) account for that because it was pretty bad. Um, The next reunion Disco, wear your chorus shirt. I don't shirt, even get notifications and- that there's going to be one. Like no one has uh. ever told me officially since my uh, since knowing about the tenth. I have received mm-hmm. zero information about any reunion. How since. can that be? I don't How know. can that be? Or maybe they're I did, uh, facebooking me and I don't check Facebook because I really don't check Facebook. Yeah, it's, you've got blocks on everybody. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> I'm just not hearing from anyone. Everyone oh, knows that's yeah. not true. I'll go. I'll listen. I'll go to the next. Can't they just like contact your agent and say, "Oh, gross. get this message through oh, to gross. to Janet." I will go, but someone's, someone's got to tell me about it. <laughs> oh, oh, it's time for a quick break. I will be back after a word from our friends at Maximum Fun. Hi, I'm Allie Gertz. And I'm Julia Prescott. And we're the hosts of Round Springfield. Round Springfield is a Simpsons-adjacent podcast where we talk to Simpsons folks about non-Simpsons things. That's right. So in the past, we've gotten to talk to legendary showrunners and writers like Al Jean, Bill Oakley, Josh Weinstein, Dana Gould, Mike Reese, and David X. Cohen. Voice actors like Maurice LaMarche, Maggie Roswell, and Yardley Smith, the voice of Lisa Simpson! So we've been away (laughs) securing guests for our final five episodes, and we are super excited about them. We're going to talk to Mike Scully, Jeff and Samantha Martin, Jeff Westbrook. Guys, our final episode, we got to interview Matt Groening. We are so excited to share these final recordings. So check out our new episodes of Round Springfield starting June 21st on Maximum Fun or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, let's do the Smash game. The first yeah. uh, category I want to give you is let's do three. <laughs> let's do three. Okay, Billy Joel needs you to duet with him uh, for okay. th- for one of three songs. You'll end up with one. You know how Mash works. Uh, but give right. me three Billy Joel songs that he's going to have you duet with him. You're both going to be playing piano and singing together. It should be a beautiful arrangement. To, uh, okay. Three. Los Angelinos. Great. Scenes from an Italian restaurant. Great. And uh, Big Shot. God, he's just so great. Yeah. Talk about a national treasure. But apparently if you're from Long Island, you either love him or hate him. He's either hokey or he's the national hero. Anyway, yeah. I like Billy Joel. I'm, I I'm sorry. I, know I do too. I grew up on Critics my- Critics say he's oh, yeah. derivative. Well, so what? You know? If, if what it, is he like derivative he said when of? He was, uh, well- there's a great podcast called We Didn't Start the Podcast. Oh, boy. Uh, 
where it kind of breaks down the musicology in a very funny way of all of his albums. But, you know, it's kind of like, oh, Big Shot. Uh, well, isn't he doing an impression of Mick Jagger here? And doesn't this sound like, you know, huh. you break down some of the songs. It's like uh, there's a song uh, on the Bridge album called uh, uh, Running on Ice. Uh-huh. And it's basically uh, Spirits in the Material World huh. by the police. The key and the drums and I don't know. Wow, I think, he's really I think pulled it's okay. off then because he, he has, seems like yeah. he's one in a million. Uh, yeah, like whether you like him or hate him, I would still think you would think he was one in a million. So the idea that you yeah. don't like him because he's derivative is a new fascinating concept to me. All right. Yeah, just a stupid excuse. There you go. Um, okay, next category, let's do three movies that you would love to be able to jump into. You're not reliving the plot. It's just that world, the world of that movie. That you're like, God, I wish I could just be there whenever I wanted, like on a vacation. Yeah, okay. Well, it's going to be Star Wars. I don't want to, you know, that's Star probably Wars pretty Episode basic. Four? Or just like the Let's world. Let's do a Empire Strikes Back. Okay, yeah, great. and the five I thought was great. You know, that's one of my favorites of all time. Uh, I would love to be in ready, The Godfather. Great. We'll assume you won't get gunned seen, down. Yeah. You're safe. This is, you're, it's a safety <laughs> bubble. It's a safety bubble. It is a safety you're bubble, in. right. Yeah. And uh, uh, the uh, original TV, no, I guess it doesn't matter, uh, It. Oh, sure. The, the, Stephen the Tim King Curry It. it. Yeah, yeah. Or, or the new one is fine. You know, I just that whole uh, the nostalgia of those seven kids. Yeah, you know the bittersweetness of that. It's my favorite book. I listened to that uh, book a couple of years ago. I loved it when I was younger, and I yeah. listened to it again. And uh, obviously, the whole sex thing is a little shocking. It's a I little forgotten. Tr- yeah, problematic. I wiped stuff that at the out end. of my memory so fast. <laughs> I did not remember it was a thing. But it is a great book. Yeah, those characters. Yeah. I mean, I was like, oh, I, I, I was I was walking and crying. And Brandon yeah. was like, what are you listening to now? Like, what Louise Penny mystery is making you cry like that now? And I was it's like, a horror it's story it. about understand. a cloud who might be a spider. Kids. Yeah. yeah. Right. I don't want the book to end. Like, I really <laughs> had an emotional reaction to it. So I am right there with you. And right. I loved that miniseries. I don't even, I can't tell you if it was good or not, but, and I loved all the actors who were in it, like Harry Anderson. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Next one is uh, all due respect to your beautiful, talented, and terrific <laughs> wife. Uh, three people, characters can be from any era, any age, can be a character from a book, can be just the, you know, the Molly Ringwald character from the 16 Candles, whatever. Um, uh, three that you would like to have a romantic escapade with in this MASH alternate universe. Uh, Diane Lane from The Outsiders. Oh, God, Diane. Di- how about Diane Lane anytime? I yeah. mean, she is timeless. We just watched that Kevin Costner, Diane Lane, like, revenge <laughs> revenge movie that I can't believe wasn't directed <laughs> by Clint Eastwood. Uh, she's still just, like, darling. You, could, you, you know what? Try to put gray, frizzy hair on her. She's still a knockout. Right. She's so great. Right. Okay, Diane Lane, Outsiders, great. Uh, let's get a little wild. I'm going to say uh, Heather Graham. Great. Uh, from Boogie Nights. Yeah, super sexy. Yeah. I, I saw her at the um, at Todd English's restaurant in in Las Vegas when she was shooting uh, the Hangover, mm-hmm. and again I have no chill, so I'm like oh, I'm gonna say something. Rebecca's like don't don't say anything. Like, <laughs> she no, no, don't, Rebecca's don't with go. you. I love no. it. No, and so I, I as I pass by, I said you know I really loved your TV show. You remember the one that was on for one episode and they canceled it? You know I'm like uh, what's the nicest oh, thing you really could say to funny. her? That's really funny. Yeah, and I then forgot she turned to me that. and she said. Thank you very much. And I'm like, oh shit, it's just like that girl from 
Uh, I said it's the hard. S word. I'm sorry. Oh God, no! Wait, wait a minute. I there's only there's only cursing. There wasn't enough okay. cursing on this episode. Okay, uh, yeah, I was restrained. I, I hate to pull this because I did. Uh, I feel like I already did it too much on the Law and Order uh, on yeah. on these other stories. But I did do a movie with Heather, and she is. I didn't know that. So Which one? Sweet. It's a child's movie called Judy Moody and the Nut Bummer Summer. Uh, oh, right, right, She right. plays my sister. I think we played sisters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's. She, I can mm, see that. Yeah. Or maybe she's my husband's sister. Anyway, she's the aunt of my <laughs> child, my two children, and um, she's a, such a like a totally sweet, delightful. Is she incredibly smart, or is she like kind of a, a flower child whose head is in the clouds? Maybe both. Um, very ethereal and just delightful and 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 funny and great. So, um, but also. I cannot even imagine how many times people say stuff to her. Like, I'm sure she just puts on the... Because mm-hmm. she probably yeah. has, like, all it takes is one guy who isn't you who goes up and is like, I really felt like you were speaking to me in Boogie Nights when you took your shirt off. And, like, it's over. Do you know what I mean? You can't yeah, ever right. be nice to anyone right. again. All it takes is one of those. And then you're like, oh, he's going to murder me and eat my skin. Like, yeah. you immediately become closed off and just you can only say, thank you very much, no matter who it is or what you want to say, yeah. you know? Yeah, she was having dinner with some guy I didn't recognize. And Rebecca said, oh, yeah, that's the guy from Alias, Bradley Cooper. Oh, that you guy. Know, a nobody. <laughs> that rando. A nobody. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He got, she yes, had to pick up the check. He, uh, yeah, he did. Yeah, she did. Uh, okay, so, so Diane, three, Heather. Elizabeth Shue from The Karate Kid. Oh, my God. What a doll. Yeah. God, she did so many commercials. I didn't know that until someone recently told me. Like, you know, she was like, you really see how she got her career going in commercials. And right. if you go on YouTube. Like Neutrogena or something like that. There's like a bunch. She something. was a McDonald's. Yeah. Girl, she she was a girl who was like at behind the counter at McDonald's for like three McDonald's commercials. She was in the sequel. She was in the original and the sequels of the McDonald's commercial. She's like Lily from the AT and T commercials. On, I I I really feel like that's what she was, but it was yeah. McDonald's. And you see her, and you're like, oh, of course, because she's got that big perfect smile. Of course she yeah. of course she blew up in commercials, and then she started working in film. All right, next yeah. category. Let's do three places in the world you would love to have a vacation home if we could just teleport you there. Um, and it doesn't matter if you've been there or not. It's just sort of the the ideal of whatever you know you think it yeah. might be. I loved San Diego when I visited there. That's like my weather. Right. I'd also say uh, I'd love to have a place on Lake Winnipesaukee in New Hampshire. I have some friends who have, you know, they're rich. They're doctors and stuff, and they have uh, cabins on the the big lake. And I thought, oh, they're just so beautiful to be here. Yeah. And uh, another place I would love to have a a pied-à-terre in London. Great. I really thought you were going to say France because you said pied à terre. Little yeah. twist at the well, end. See, I you, you know, you, I guess got I mean, to fool you. Pied à terre is the accepted. Would you say like a flat? I guess a or flat. A yeah, let's go with a flat. All right, listen. Well, but listen, we don't know. It could be a mansion, apartment, shack, or house, and I don't know how any. That's brilliant. They're all sort of flats in London. There's a version that's a flat of every one of those. Uh, next all one. Right. Three foods that you can have. Uh, with zero ramifications, so it's you know maybe uh-huh. you have an allergy now, maybe you think it's ecologically irresponsible, <laughs> maybe it's just too fattening or too sugary. In this world, you can have as much as you want in perpetuity with no ramifications. Tacos. Yes, indeed. Oh man, I love the uh, 
the uh, Reese's Peanut Butter Cup Sundae from Friendly's. <laughs> oh, my God. Amazing. I love the specificity. Those are my favorites. Okay. Yeah. Reese's Friendly's Sunday. I've never been to a Friendly's. Yeah, it was pretty much a East Coast, East Coast thing. thing. Yeah. And, um, I, you know, I, there, there's a, a, I would say nachos. Like, it's just like, so it's too much oh, Mexican. God. Don't put nachos down. Don't, don't, uh, I listen, see. I would eat Mexican food every day, yeah. all day, for the rest of my life. So I wouldn't blame you. And it's yours, by the way. Oh, but okay. if you want to. Hey, here it is. Eat. Chicken pot pie. Oh, great. Okay. Comfort mm-hmm. food. Pie. Great. Okay, next category, three, let's do three alternate universe careers. It's only the good stuff. Only good stuff. So you don't stuff. have to worry about, like, yeah, just yeah. three other things you're like, yeah, let's try my hand at. I would have loved to have been a professional actor because Great. I like craft services. <laughs> it's, that's sometimes the only good thing about a day, being yeah. an actor, so. Yeah. <laughs> um, I did a little teaching at one point, so a college professor would be, great. I think, a great little job to have. Those are hard to come by. You get your PhD and you can't get a job. That really sucks. Ain't that the truth. And uh, I think uh, a lawyer, you know, defending the rights of uh, my fellow man. Yeah, I can see all of these very easily. They're kind of connected, right? There's a little bit of performance in all of those things, right? Yeah. Standing in Um, front of people and saying, accept me, love me, (laughs) love me, please. Unfortunately, yes, that's correct. Uh, it makes me feel better that lawyers need that. It makes me yeah. feel better that there would be a lawyer that's like, I need to say this, and everyone needs to choose my story. Yeah, and in all three careers, I could wear the tie with the piano keys on it. In all three, yeah. it would go over like gangbusters. Gangbusters. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen the- of the jury, <laughs> allow me to sh- play for you a C-sharp. Bing! You will C-sharp that the defendant <laughs> did not do it. Oh, Oh, no. Oh, no. Honestly, you would win your case. People I would, would be like, I like him. He's very wow. funny. He's clearly charming. He clearly wouldn't represent a murderer. Uh, okay. <laughs> Next Second one. City, here I come. Ooh, that's that's what we should do. Next one. Three mysteries uh, of any kind that uh, you get the sort of keys to unlocking. So it could be what happened to Hay. It could be, and I don't mean to be callous no. about that. No, like, no, no. Genuinely... I, there's a lot of people who really there's a lot of unsolved things that are you know very troubling to a lot of people for one reason or another so anyway uh three things that you'd like to sort of you know the answer once and for all uh, yeah it would be who killed Heyman lee from serial uh i would love to know about the jfk assassination Let's get that. Let's open Just, up all those let's files. Figure it out once let's and figure for it all. out. I think it's Lee yeah. Harvey Oswald, but I would, you know, I would like to know for certain. Yeah. And um, how about the Loch Ness monster? I kind of thought you would maybe say that, and I agree. I'm so fascinated by. I think the most of the 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 mythological beast things I'm not that interested in. Yeah. But because I've never been to Scotland and I love the idea of that is like, where did that come from? What was it really? Is it if it, if it wasn't that, then where is it coming from? Is it totally made out of whole cloth and just like legend, Bigfoot. or yeah. yeah, or is there some kind of serpent? <laughs> like, <laughs> is still an old prehistoric alligator? Yeah. Uh, great. Let's I'm sorry. Solve it. I know okay. there are like unsolved murder out there and people should have you know Listen, but but this my, is a playful my, game my family i why won't you yeah nessie you know? is yeah. the answer nessie, nessie unfortunately answer. Nessie. yeah sorry i went there 
it's really fine. It's really fine. And then uh, final category, let's do three skills that uh, you would love to sort of have downloaded into your brain matrix style. You wake up oh. tomorrow morning and you are an amazing pianist uh, or whatever else. Three. Yeah. Yeah. No, I would have loved to really have mastered the piano. Great. And and likewise, I don't know if it's you want to put them together, but one in one A would be to be able to sing really okay. well. Rebecca has perfect pitch. She's an excellent singer. She's done it in in you know professional chorus groups. And when I sing in the car, she tells me to shut up because it hurts her ears. <laughs> uh, it's like okay, fine, I'll just sing like this. And uh, how about karate? Great. I think that'd be I so feel, cool. That's good. Yeah. I know. I feel the same. Ah! So I gave you ability. piano and sing in the same line. Okay, so you have one more. So a third one. Uh, I'd love to be a real great cook, chef. Great and perfect. Okay, it, describe the mood or lack thereof in <laughs> one word uh, that you sort of woke up with this morning. Oh, uh, uh, well, there was uh, excitement for doing this, and I'm not pandering. It's like, oh, this is the day we get to do this. I'm going to put excitement Yeah, this will excitement. be because it's a very long word, and this is the number I'm going to use to oh, determine okay. what happens. Could you please, uh, I certainly will have talked about it in the intro, but I would love for people to, again, uh, be reminded of uh, your podcasts, uh, where to find you, where to follow you, all that good stuff. I'm going to be doing that. Um, you mean stall. Feel free to, draw, feel free to stall <laughs> in a self-promote type manner while I do this. Yeah. Well, I'm not as sexy as Eric Balfour, but- uh, if people want to follow me, they can uh, follow me on the podcast Crime Writers On, where my wife and authors Laura Bricker and Toby Ball, we review everything in true crime, new podcasts, documentaries, TV shows. We'll give you a thumbs up, thumbs down review. We also have a podcast called These Are Their Stories, the Law & Order podcast, where we have special guests come on. We talk about an episode from uh, TV's most enduring crime franchise, and then we talk about the real-life story that inspired that episode. Basically, we shit on Law & Order for 45 minutes. <laughs> and uh, we have uh, several true crime books out. They include Wicked Intentions, which I'm going to uh, wrap in uh, brown paper and send off to Janet Varney when we hang up here. Brown paper, please. I oh, don't yes. want anyone to know. I'm, I'm going. <laughs> well, it's the way. And I go to the post office and I say, media rate, please. It's ah, cheaper than first, yes, right? indeed. Yeah. That yeah. magical rate. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the other books include uh, Our Little Secret and um, Notes on a Killing and Legally Dead. And I have great stories about how publishers come up with these stupid I names. I was about to say you have not enjoyed Crime Writers On until... <laughs> Either in one of the after shows, because I am a Patreon supporter. Thank yes, you very thank, much. No, thank world. you very much. Uh, uh, I'm just, that's me encouraging other people to become <laughs> Patreon supporters, uh, not giving myself a pat on the back. Uh, until you've heard about how they choose the covers for your books, how they choose the titles, and I mean, wh what a sense of yeah. total lack of control. On you that. spend your whole life from nine years old in that typewriter dreaming of the day you write your book. <laughs> and they tell you, the thing that they don't tell you is like, nope, you don't get to pick the cover. You don't get to pick the name, and you're responsible for finding all 16 pages of shocking photos that go in the middle. Oh, God. Uh, and I'm That's... on Twitter at Kevin P. Flynn, and you can tweet to me and, you know, yell at me and cancel me there. Oh, great. I'm really looking forward to all the people who are going to cancel you from this. Zero. <laughs> no. Zero. My listeners are 
the most huggable listeners in the world. Yes. Uh, okay. I am very excited about this outcome. All um, right. There is, uh, I would say there's a lot of good local support happening in the uh, shack that you have right on Lake Winnipesaukee. My shack. Um, <laughs> Listen, it's like a it's a rustic cabin. What are yes, you going to do? Yes. Have some gross McMansion yes, on the I lakeside? Know. No. Yes, I know. So you what are you going to be in an apartment? Apartment on the lake? No. It's a cabin. Uh, it's a cabin. Cab- yes. Shack equals cabin. Perfect cabin uh, with, a, with a boat slip and everything. Yeah, and you bought it uh, fair and square with your uh, high-paying attorney job. Mm. So, and that and listen, stressful, so you're going to deserve that break whenever yeah. you want to go there or elsewhere. I don't know if it's going to be that restful to be inside the godfather but you are going to be in that world Do you see godfather 2 on lake tahoe and they, they, they sure. machine them through the windows oh god Will my children sleep <laughs> yeah i can see that happening oh we've really gone violent okay and no, i take this, fredo listen. out to, to go fishing yeah yeah, Never well, comes only back. one of us come back. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Perfect. Speaking it's all coming of, together. Oh, yeah. Speaking of the Italian community, mm-hmm. you also did a just gorgeous duet with Billy Joel. Yeah. Seeds from Italian Restaurant. Yeah, I even did so the clarinet right. solo. Everything Great. is coming full circle. Yeah, yeah. I also want to recognize, and this again will probably come in handy. You know what? Is karate going to come in handy in the world of The Godfather? <laughs> or will it get you laughed out of the community? I don't know, but you are a badass karate expert. Uh. Also register my I would hands love to as be. lethal weapons. Register your hands as lethal weapons. Uh, I would say congratulations on uh, t- bringing things right back around because Heather Graham yeah. is all yours. All right. And uh, you could ask her how she got such glowing skin like I did yeah. when I worked with her. She's beautiful skin. Um, you're going to know that up close to personal. You are also going to know the answer to the mystery of Nessie, which I so find much lake very stuff. Yes. We're going to get, yeah, really is very lake oriented. Yeah. But you know, listen, this takes you, uh, this takes you elsewhere in the world for a, a, a wonderful Highlands adventure. Um, and then with all of this activity, you're going to be very hungry, I want you to know that no matter what else you choose to eat, mm-hmm. you will always have access to, with zero ramifications, a, the Reese's Peanut yes! Butter Cup Sunday yes! from Friendlies. Yes! That is a score. This Man. is a very good mash outcome. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I, yeah, that's. Uh, I can't wait for that life to start. It's, it's in <laughs> five, four... <laughs> Uh, Kevin, thank you so much for doing the podcast. There's one thing that I offer up as a possible uh, out mm-hmm. outro for, and we've <laughs> we've set you up very nicely for some singing. Uh, but I do offer to have my male guests uh, sing a little bit of Don Henley's "Boys of Sum- Summer." Oh. If you can think of it, even if you make up your own words, I think John Hodgman meowed all of it that he could <laughs> think of. It was just like a meow, 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 meow situation. Um, or uh, or another song that reminds you of the summer. You do it because after my after my right. surgery, I sort of have, have a break, and I could do a falsetto, but I might I might just hit. it I was here. gonna say Don, <clears throat> Don Henley has sort of a reedy kind of whispery voice in some yeah. ways, so you might, be might fine. yeah. If I bring the volume down a little bit, yeah. And just it, Rebecca and I went to Nashville, and she's like all this country music, and she just hated all the bars. And, and by one, the way, that is where I met you in Nashville. So I know that's right, yeah, about. right. Yeah. And so she, someone was playing a country version of uh, Boys of Summer. She's like, this is the bar. And so that's, that's nice. my favorite song. Okay. I can see you, your brown skin shining in the sun. You got the hair pulled back and 
radio on, baby. I can't tell you my love for you will still be strong after the boys of summer have gone. Love is a battlefield. <laughs> Thank you so much, my friend. This was Thank wonderful. Thank you for your adorable picture. Uh, everyone listening, thank you so much. And I will talk to you next time on the podcast. The show is recorded by me and edited by Julian Burrell. And as always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by the amazing Say Hi. Save kittens from trees Or lunch on skyscrapers Bring the villains to their knees Maybe we should Move someplace new And build time machines To go and get us back MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture Artist owned Audience supported